Today's guest is Sean Millay, um, me, um, uh, who is a comedian and filmmaker, musician sometimes. And uh, yeah, we talk about what, fame, the, the, the philosophy of fame. We talk about AI and why it's bugging the guest. And, um, and we get into some really deep stuff, including prisons and panopticons and stuff like that. So I think you should stick around and watch it because it's a fun one. This is no time. If you like what you see, then do hit subscribe on YouTube, follow on Spotify or rate five stars and Apple podcasts. If this project was a rocket, then your love and support would be the fuel. And if this project was a Tesla, then your love and support would be the battery. If you want me to stop making these stupid comparisons, then you can make a donation on Patreon, Instagram, Anchor. Pick your poison. If not through monetary channels, then do consider sharing these episodes. I cannot stress enough how much of an impact your shares have. For other forms of love and support, you can follow this channel on Instagram or Twitter or follow me personally. I love, I'm going to make him an offer you can refuse. It's no time. Andy Warhol had once said that in the future, everyone will be world famous for 15 minutes. Mm. You have a very interesting relationship with fame through the content that you put out through your work, whether you're tagging celebrities into pictures of Teletubbies, when you're tricking rappers into recording a music video for you, the online jokes and pranks that you put out when you try to get a reaction out of celebrities. It seems to me that you're driven by a desire to disrupt fame, to stop glorifying celebrities, to burn down that pedestal and in a way, bring out the human in everyone. So let's start with the simplest question possible. Do people deserve to be famous? Sean Millet. Oh, that's a good question. Do people deserve to be famous? Um, I don't know if anybody deserves to be famous. Um, it's probably a superficial, vain uh, desire, though. I've definitely wanted to be famous since I was a kid. I don't know why. Um, I'm talking to my therapist about it all the time and it's very interesting, a convo, but do people deserve, I mean, I'm guess maybe some people like if they are, if their fame is leading to the betterment of society, maybe, but I don't know that, um, yeah, I don't know that anybody deserves it. I, I, I don't know. I guess what is fame? It's just like being known by everybody. Um, no, maybe not. I mean, I guess everybody deserves to be known by a little bit of people, but beyond that, I wouldn't say it's deserved or owed to anybody. That makes sense. It does make sense. When you mentioned that when you were young, you wanted to get famous, you discovered at a very young age that you can make people laugh by just saying random words like peanuts. Yeah. And, yeah. And Which you, part did I say that in? You I know, I've got my sources. Okay. Everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Have you been able to track down why? at a very young age itself, you wanted to be famous. Like, for example, I can tell that at least a part of me wanted attention because I was a younger of two brothers. And that naturally makes you mm. want to stand out a bit because your brother's elder than you and he's always obviously better, smarter, because he got that age. Right. Saying, not for any other reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then that wanted, like that created a trait within me that I always wanted to stand out. Have you been able to pinpoint what it was at a very young age that you wanted to? Um, well, when I was young, I know that my parents like had me audition for a commercial and apparently I had like a callback, but I was getting my tonsils, tonsils removed. Yes. Yeah. You know, that's crazy. Thank you. So says everywhere. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think maybe it's because like I... 
I was, I remember feeling like, oh, damn it. I almost had a commercial. And like, I think it was like, I remember feeling like, oh, how cool would it be to be in school and be like the kid that's like <laughs> in shows or something. Yeah. And, you know, it's always been a superficial like, oh, I just want people to like think I'm cool. Maybe like also like I've always like. Like I've always had crushes on girls and liked girls. And I think that maybe part of it is that and being like, wow, if you're like a rock star, you could just like have any girl you want. <laughs> I think it's partly that. Um, yeah, I think it's just like my biological, like my reptilian brain being like, <laughs> like, like evolution or survival of the fittest. My brain's like, my natural instinct is like, oh, if I'm famous, then, th then that's the coolest peacock feathers, you know, that's like the <laughs> best bird song, I guess. Um, not, not, I mean, that's like the very surface level answer. And I hope that there's more to it than that. And I probably could muster up more reasons than that but that is definitely like the the bare bones reason your parents definitely squashed that dream of you becoming the guy in the t-mobile ad yeah <laughs> yeah AT &T. i don't know what it was even for but <laughs> yeah. i just remember plus i always yeah. like liked being funny in class and i yeah. love the feeling of everybody laughing and controlling a room so i, I think it's that too mm -hmm. um but yeah they crushed my dream by getting they my tonsils removed dream. okay so i took this digression you did mention that most people don't deserve to be famous. It's just this label or this glorification uh, that we assign to them. I'm going to push you on this. Sure. Does Bo Burnham deserve to be famous? Does Bo Burnham deserve to be famous? I think, um, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. I guess, well, I don't know what deserve. I'm trying to think, like, what that would really mean. I guess, like, is his art good enough to warrant that everybody or a large amount of people sees it? Yeah. Yes. Yes, I would say that. Okay. Does he, like, deserve... I guess that's ma mainly my answer, is does his art warrant fame or, or being known by a lot of people? Or does his art warrant it being seen by a lot of people? The art itself, yes. Yeah. His, his personal fame beyond that, I, I would not say yes or no. I would just say that, like, he has proven that his um, perspective on life is worth hearing. Okay. So people don't deserve to be famous, but Bo Burnham does deserve Yeah, I think his perspective is worth... His perspective deserves Yeah, worth. I love the Beatles. I love John Lennon. Does John Lennon deserve fame? Does he? Um, I think, again, it's like everybody uh, for the sake of everybody else his musical anything he does musically or poetically deserves or, or i would even say the reverse that everybody else deserves to hear what he has to say because it's so valuable in terms of his work yeah but as a person do you think people don't deserve to know john lennon the person i thought he was a fascinating human being uh, he is very fascinating yeah. I, i'm i'm not sure uh, I'm not sure that any person deserves fame because it's like, it, yeah, it's like, it's a weird question. I mean, it's a good question, but I'm like, it's I don't know. It's a weirdly know. good question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know that anybody deserves fame. That's like, I think what, the, what they make or what they become famous for deserves recognition and that themselves Deserving anything is, I think, irrelevant to the thing that they would be famous for. 
getting recognition. Does that make sense a little bit? It does. No, I, I agree. This is largely semantics as well. Yeah. And if you get if you get recognition for work that you do that's really seminal, then I guess it's a byproduct that you will also get famous and there will be... Right. The byproduct, I think, is like... That, I think, I'm less inclined to say is deserved as much as like... Got it. The thing they made being... Like this Lego, if it's sick, that deserves the recognition. It doesn't mean that I, the creator, deserve the recognition. In an ideal world, you would want just the art, just the work itself to get the fame, but the person behind it can be decoupled if they want to be. I guess that's easy to say, but like here I am like upset about AI and stuff. And like, <laughs> it's just like going to be like a world where all all a, all art is AI and that hu- it removes the human element. So I do think like personal story is makes art better and stuff and so i don't know but fame itself is is a very superficial like desire it's like um you know it's like i i I can't really say unless you're like gandhi or mlk who's like trying to better society i don't really know that the person themselves deserves fame yeah they can't like it's fun and it's enjoyable and it's good for people to like it's good for people to get like upset about fame it's like oh how could you why do we all like know this person like kim kardashian but i'm like yeah but it, it creates community like if we all it gives you a talking point with a stranger like we both know who kim kardashian is you know and so i think there's community in fame and that we all know real life human beings that we could talk about and share personal opinions on um you brought up Kim Kardashian. I have a follow-up question for you. Is there a reason why people from certain professions get a lot more attention and fame? So, for example, actors, musicians, rappers, athletes, basketball players, football players, often they're a lot more famous than scientists, researchers, academics, even in the entertainment industry, and actors mostly more famous than a writer or a director. Do you have a hunch why we are so selective about who we decide to give more fame and attention to? I think it's just like more accessible. Like it's like, yeah, oh, why aren't scientists that cure cancer like or whatever or working? Why aren't they famous? It's like, I don't know. It's just it's not as like sellable or interesting for the masses, you know, Um, while I get that it would be sick if those were the kinds of people that were famous. It's just like not as easily it's not as interesting on the surface or I shouldn't say on the, it's not as uh, like universally palatable. It's like, not like what would you rather watch? Like a guy in a lab for eight hours, like trying like researching or, or Kim Kardashian talking about her ex-boyfriend. Like that's just like human nature. I'm like, I would love to know about, I mean, I wouldn't love to know about that, but like, it's just like, it's gossip and it's yeah. like there's something inherently appealing about like the I don't know, pop culture or just like the yeah. junk food media of such yeah like yeah. and it's like it almost feels like having a friend that we it's like a one-sided friendship where we get to like know about this person's life while maybe they're not like kim kardashian for example maybe she's not super talented or anything but like she's just a character in this world that we all know now and it's fun to see what she does, you know. Let's explore this further. I'm okay. gonna keep pushing you further and further sure. down this path. I'm gonna throw two quotes your way. The first quote is by a man named David Bowie. Not okay. many people have heard of him. Sure. Who once said that fame can take 
interesting men and thrust mediocrity upon them. Mm. Heavy. And the second quote is by a woman named Oprah Winfrey. Once again, not many people have heard of her. Right. Who once said that if you come to fame not knowing who you are, it will define who you are. And while both these statements capture a lot, they seem to imply that there is something inherent, inevitable, unavoidable about fame that tends to make you less innovative and less adventurous. Whether it is the comfort of doing something that you know that has worked in the past, or it's like the fear of losing the money, cloud, the recognition that you got from doing that one thing that has worked. Do you think that's true? Do you think fame, just the act of getting famous, let's keep all other external factors aside, just getting famous, the psychological impact of getting famous, do you think that itself comes with certain limiting qualities that can confine your style and box you into a status quo? Sure. I think, uh, you know what the panopticon is? It's like a the prison. The prison. Yeah. yeah. And like, so basically, you know, for context, if I, I mean, if people don't know, it's like the prison setup where it's like, yeah. it's like around, like there's a guard in the middle and then every cell can see every other cell. And basically it like keeps prisoners that uh, like super well behaved because like you're never, there's never a moment where you're not being watched. Yeah. And I think that's probably a little bit what fame is like, where it's like, it does limit you in that like, oh, wow, people are watching you all the time. So you probably feel less free to experiment or to be wrong. Um, And so like in the case of what Oprah said, it's like, oh, like if you don't know who you are when you're famous or but when you you don't know who you are by the time you get famous, what did she say? She said, if you come to fame, not knowing who you are, will define who you are from there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, because now you're like, you can't really figure out who you are by like experimenting and like learning about yourself. Now you're just like, Oh my God, people are watching me. And you're like worried about doing the right thing or, or looking good in the eyes of everybody else. And so you don't get to like explore and be wrong. So you could see who you are. Did that happen with you as well? But as you got more and more famous, did you find yourself getting boxed into a certain style? Well, I wouldn't say I'm like even remotely famous, but uh, I do have like, I guess, a bigger follower count now. And I do find that it's harder to post things because I'm like, damn, like I, there's definitely less room to experiment because I'm like, wow, more people are going to see. Interesting. That Like when I first started posting the TikTok, it was all like I had no followers and I could just like post, see if it did well, delete it, try again. Now it's like, if I post right now, I'll get like 5,000 views at least in an hour. And I'm like, that's a lot of people. And if it's not funny, they're all going to see it and I overthink it. Or I'm like, what if it's like somehow offensive and I didn't realize it? So like, it definitely, it's like a, it's like a self-imposed big brother or like (laughs) the Truman show or something. Yeah. Is that a crippling feeling? Like can, have has there been a moment like you've just been staring at the screen, think overthinking things and you haven't posted the video for like the next 20 minutes? Um, yes, a little bit. Um, I think more so even too when like people you know follow you and then you're like, oh crap, like they're going to see this and I like this girl and oh, like she's going to see this like silly video I did and is it going to make her like not like me anymore or something like stuff like that is like sometimes a thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I do think that I'm sure fame is definitely limiting in that way. If you aren't like, um, able to, if you don't have the conviction to be yourself in the face of a bunch of people watching, you. what does it take to break out of it? Like, does it take a really brave person, an exceptional person to break out of it? Or do you think some external factors like luck or circumstances also have to work in your favor? So you can snap out of that. Um, yeah, it's probably just like, 
probably just like talking to people until you feel like until you can like it's kind of like uh when you like people are like oh we're just on a floating rock going through space but then like you do mush and it's like easy to say that but then you do mushrooms and it's like you feel that to be true yeah it's easy to say oh it doesn't matter what people think but it's hard to feel that so i think it just takes like practicing different ways to like make like to feel that like whether that's like you know gary b says fuck up on purpose so you only have to go up or something like that like yeah. like whether it's something like that or just like you know uh reading the hate comments and being like oh like <laughs> just accepting them and like trying to get desensitized to them um yeah interesting it's it's kind of surreal that you mentioned a panopticon because Two days ago, I heard a podcast episode just about panopticons. Really? There's a podcast, I don't know if you heard of it, 99% Invisible. Oh, which, no. Which just deals with like concepts or things that you might have not heard of, like the mostly invisible. So they might have a story about a railing in New York City and there's like a ghost story behind it or something of like that. Sort. Okay. And they had a whole episode about just panopticons, the history of it, how they were invented. Really? And how they became the symbol of like mass surveillance. And like that's now the symbol, that tower now. Is, is used to represent like the brave new world or the uh, George Orwell's 1984 type of a world. So right. That is now the symbolism for that. I, so, uh, my library at NYU, like they always talked about how it was like designed like a panopticon and I don't, like people would like, they just thought it was like sad and yeah. But it's a cool library, but yeah, it was just like. Maybe there's some similarities between a library and a prison. Who knows? Okay. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> okay. While we're talking about the psychological impact of fame, you did touch upon this. I want to bring your personal journey into the picture as well. Okay. But before that, for some context, for a period of 18 months, John Lennon separated from his wife, Yoko Ono, and moved out. And reports from that time say that he was partying a lot. He was playing a lot of music with reckless abandon. He linked up with Paul McCartney with no objective in mind, with just to play music. And the general sentiment was that Somehow John Lennon has unloaded the burden of being John Lennon, or so to speak. Interesting. And that period of his life came to be known as the Lost Weekend. Right. Right. We spoke about how when you were young, you liked that feeling of making people laugh and you're still working on trying to identify why you had why you wanted to be famous, why you wanted the attention. But having watched your interviews over the years and the evolution that you've gone through, I get the feeling that over time now you started to crave a Lost Weekend. Of your own. Interesting. In a, maybe I might be wrong. I would love to get your thoughts on this as well. But what I feel is that as you've gotten more attention through your videos, a larger and larger part of you, in fact, you said this explicitly in a recent interview as well, that a part of you now just romanticizes locking yourself up, cutting out all the noise and just working on comedy or music or filmmaking. Yeah. Do you think that's true? As you get more famous, a large part of you now just wants to get away from all of it and just focus on art. Well, Part of it's just that, like, I've been doing, like, TikToks, and I do feel like, um, it's like, uh, you know, I want to do something with a little more substance, and, like, l like, I saw a video where it was like, oh, people, like, is this, is content art or something, and it's like, you know, it's like, because everything I've done is, like, it's a lot of one-minute videos, and that's cool, and it's got me a lot of attention, but, like, I would like to do more of, like, a long-form, like, movie or show or something like that, um, and music, too, like, I, I do enjoy that, but... Um, I guess that's really what I would like because, um, I don't feel like I've done anything that worthwhile in terms like artistically compared to like anybody else in history. I've just made some good TikToks, I guess. Do you think TikTok is not 
art or substance? Um, I think it, I mean, it's an important part of culture right now. And um, I think you can definitely have artistic flair and, and TikToks and, and stuff like that. But I do think like, um, it's like, it's like, uh, like Ernest Hemingway wrote novels, you know, and then it's, but that's like, and then it's like somebody being like, oh, I write like little newspaper clipping stories. Although I guess that's cool too. I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess it's all <laughs> destroying my set. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess, I mean, it's all just opinion. Like it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, like words are just made up and this is all made up anyway. So, um, but I guess like my personal preference is I would like to do a longer form thing for my own, my own, like, I'm not saying that, you know, TikTok is art or is not art, but personally, I will feel more fulfilled if I do something a little bit longer form. In a recent interview, you said that you want to use TikTok as a stepping stone towards filmmaking and TV shows. And now based on the answer as well, do you think TikTok is a stepping stone? Because Okay, is there merit to the argument that TikTok is a genre of its own? It's a mutation of the content that we were used to, but now it exists within its own bubble and doesn't necessarily have any transferable skills. I, well, it's interesting. People say like, uh, oh, TikTok's ruining our attention spans. Yeah. And I would almost argue, and I'm pretty sure I've heard somebody say this before, um, but like, it, like our attention spans have not changed. Like, it's just like we found something that, taps into our already short attention spans. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Like <clears throat> it, it has been a stepping stone in that, like uh, me and my friend are currently like working on a, a pitch for a show. So I, I do, th there's a lot of value to it and it's like a really good way for like anybody in the world to like be heard by like many, many people and have a voice. So I think it's like cool for that. And, I don't know. What was the question? Again? Can this be the path moving forward? So in the past, let's say if I wanted to get into movies, right. I would start with theater and then I would try to make my way up theater and then try to get a big gig. But do you think I can start from TikTok and this could be the, in future, this could be the trajectory most writers and actors, directors follow that they start with TikTok or social media. and then Absolutely. Move. Yeah. I mean, I think people get mad at that. Like for example, Addison Ray did like, um, she was like, she's like in a movie or something and people are like, wow, people go to acting school their whole lives. Not and just to like, not like just for them to be like outcasted by like, you know, a, a TikTok star. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, but like, that makes sense. Like she's like made herself famous and she's a commodity. Like it only makes sense that like she, they would use her, I guess. I don't know. So like, yes, I think, I mean, you could still do all the other paths, but like, it's no different to me than like, you know how like actors will get jobs at bars in Hollywood, hoping directors will see them. Yeah. Like to me, that's not much different from, Oh, I'm going to make a TikTok and hope that a director sees me. You know what I mean? Like it's just like getting your face out there by and seen by hopefully the right person. So I do think, and TikTok also, it's like you could build an audience there. So yeah, I mean, it's worked for so many people already. Like I, I, it'd be hard for me to say no. You're the perfect person to ask this follow-up question because you studied at NYU, you studied filmmaking. Yeah. And you create content on TikTok. Right. Do you think you learn two different skills from studying filmmaking in a school versus applying it in TikTok? Like, does, does working in TikTok give you an advantage that only, 
other people who have only studied filmmaking at a school, follow the right protocol, done it the conventional way. Does working in TikTok give you some different perspectives? Sure. Space? I mean, I think it's just like, um, it's like really, it helps you, like it helped me learn to tell story a little better because I, I'm just like have to do it in a short period of time. So I told little short stories and I think it's developed that part of my voice. And, and it's school me, won't teach you that, sorry. Yeah. No, they will. No, that's okay. They will, uh, they will teach you, okay. uh, they teach you stories. But I, I guess like you, you have to put it to practice and right. it's like yeah. the... I guess it's like an architect building a little uh, building with Legos. Like, does that make them learn a little bit more about architecture? Maybe, right? I, I, I don't know. Maybe like an architect would like, no, you got to like use popsicle sticks. Or I don't know. But even there's always a smaller version of of the thing. So I would say, yeah, it definitely helps. Is it better than film school? I mean, I don't know about that. But like, I think it's like definitely it's it's just one way to help to build your voice and you know, learn how to keep the ball in the air. And, yeah. um, so I think it has its value for people like even like Bo Burnham, for example, was like, he did an interview with a bunch of comedians and I guess like a lot of them would be like, like they, they didn't seemingly respect him as much because he was like, not, he didn't come up in clubs. He came up online and yeah. he was like, people's green room. Yeah. That interview. And he said something like, uh, Oh, like you, you know, they judge me for not like, being in a room and not getting laughter. He's like, you try, I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, you try, you know, seeing somebody call you, you know, I think he said like the F slur a thousand times in the comments, like that's really hard. And so I guess my point is that like you, you could develop skills that like are applied to the real world through the internet or, or through making content online. It's an interesting shift that's happening. So Bo Burnham is a good example. Jake Paul, Logan Paul started yep. with YouTube, now professional boxer, professional wrestler. And what they're trying to show is that maybe you don't need to follow the conventional path, but as long as you have the right resources and maybe the motivation to do it, you can excel in any industry. It's not like you have to go through that Right. That pyramid scheme that's been set up that, oh, if I have to become an actor, I have to go to acting school. I have to yeah. put in the work. It's like when there was like a story about a kid that he like was applying for a job and he wrote his, his resume on a baseball and threw it through a window of the office. <laughs> and it like, they like thought it was creative enough to hire him, even though he broke the window, like, yeah. <laughs> and people think, Oh wow. Like he took a chance. That's great. But like, so I'm like, how is that roundabout way of getting a job any different from doing it through TikTok or social media? People like to shit on yeah. social media in general. And I get it, but you know, Use what you use what you got, right? You know, we don't have to keep romanticizing this path that's this conventional path that's been set in place for every profession. Like if you're a comic, you have to go to open mics and you have to put in that. Yeah. Of course that's important. But if someone comes up through YouTube or TikTok, then sure, we can just accept the journey that they've taken. Right. I mean, maybe they'll like, you know, they might have different like it might be harder to connect with certain comedians because you didn't go through a similar experience. But yeah. like, I don't know, if everybody if if you're making people laugh and uh, if you're making like audiences laugh, like, I don't know, isn't that, isn't that being a comedian? Like, or are we just like mincing or like being really picky about words? Like, like, it's just like, again, at the end of the day, it's all words and made up things. So like, I don't know, you can be like, ah, that's not a real comedian. It's like, all right, well. He's selling tickets, so I don't I don't know what to say. The end justifies the means. Sure, yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. That was it was an interesting digression we took. We were talking about your lost weekend and your desire to just cut out all the noise 
and just focus on your art. As a creator, you wear many hats. You sure. are a stand-up comic, filmmaker, content creator. You're a musician. Do you ever get the feeling that you're still yet to find your primary medium? That you're an artist, you have creativity inside you, but you're yet to find the right canvas, or so to speak? Oh, sure. I don't know. People ask me what I want to do with my life. I'm like, I have no idea, dude. And AI only makes it harder because I'm like... <laughs> I don't know where the world's going to be at in 10 years. I just like making stuff. It's fun. Yeah. And it would be cool to make money doing that. Um, But as far as like who I am or what I'm supposed to do in life and all that stuff, you know, I'm still figuring that out. So none of the existing channels that you already have, do you think like, do they not speak to you? Are they not your calling? Do you not see a path ahead in let's say filmmaking or comedy or music? Or do you think there's something out there that you might discover down the line that will be like a jolt of lightning and the clarity will seep through and you know this is the path for me um i guess i don't know like yeah i mean i've I've wanted to be a comedian since like i was like a kid like my fifth grade yearbook says that that was the occupation i wanted so like Mm -hmm. i'm definitely like doing what i think i you know is inside me that i want to do but at the same time like life you know is it just like is it just like meaningless and stuff and if so like i don't know then all these questions almost feel like 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 Personally, like when I think about them for myself, I'm like, well, like I'm just like, like there's more important things in the world or there's nothing's important. So it doesn't really matter. Like, I'm just kind of like hung up on like, what do I want to be? Who, who am I? It's like, I don't know. Like I said, we're all on a rock floating through space. Like, I guess like if life is a game, I'm just trying to figure out what, um, what missions to accept and uh i'm in and figuring out which ones i enjoy the most and currently it's like comedy and all that stuff can we explore that further sure you took us down this path of existentialism sure i'm gonna ask you a question based on that do you feel the pressure of doing multiple things at the same time and let me give you some context to that in the book outliers malcolm gladwell he puts forward the ten thousand hour rule where he says that to get really good at something great at something to leave a legacy behind to become a generational talent you need to put a minimum of 10,000 hours in that craft. Do you ever get that feeling that maybe instead of doing all these things together, if you just consolidated all your effort in just one art form, maybe it's filmmaking, maybe it's music, maybe it's comedy, you might be able to reach like the top 1% in history or reach somewhere truly great. Or do you get the feeling that having your hands in all four of them at the same time, progress might be slow because you have to split your time across all four equally? but it will be a collective evolution. Does that, does that question plague you that maybe I'm here since you brought up the point about what am I here to do? And we are just on, uh, yeah. maybe I'm here for just pushing music forward by 1%. And if I put all my effort in that, is that a question that keeps you um, up? Yeah, I do wonder that sometimes. Like if I were to just lock myself away and focus on one thing, if I would get really good at it and that maybe it would be more worthwhile, but um, it's just kind of like, I don't know, like I, I, that's probably like, I, I think that's for sure true, but I just kind of end up like every day, like I have a plan to do one thing and I'll do a different one just because I'm like ADHD brain. I'm like, Oh, I'll go play piano instead. So yeah, I do feel like, yeah, if I focused on one thing, I definitely would be, I mean, maybe not in the top 1%, but I would be the best I could be at it. But currently my, I'm just not good at deciding to do that. Cause I'm like, eh, I want to do this today. 
Yeah, I mean, trying. it's a big commitment to say that I'm going to not take my entire life and just work on, or let's just, just play the piano, for example. Yeah. And like, also like, I've wanted to do comedy my whole life. So maybe music would be a weird thing to just like start focusing on like 100%, but. Musical comedy. Yeah. I tried last night. I was trying to make a song about AI, funny enough, but then I'm like, it's like, it's hard to the focus required to like really do it. I need to like write the lyrics and then do it. So but I ended up just like, it's more just like play. It's like ma- playing with Legos, you know, like. Yeah. AI is living rent-free in your mind. I'm going to ask you a question about it, but let's, let's get to it after we finish the question about wearing many hats. Do you get the feeling that there's a difference between Sean, the filmmaker, Sean, the comic, Sean, the TikToker and the musician. Are there four different personalities? Or is it the same person behind the mask and all of that? Uh, it's the same person. I, I don't even like, like I, I recently took that out of my Instagram bio because it just felt like almost like, I don't know, like I just like branding myself like that just felt weird. Like I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a musician. Like, I don't know. <laughs> so um, I just feel like somebody that likes making stuff. Like, you know, when you're like at a diner and you're, you're, you're drawn on the, the placemat. Like it's yeah. just kind of what I'm doing. I'm just like going through life playing with stuff. It's play. That's what it is. So I don't, I don't see it as like, I'm not like, yeah, I'm an artist. I like do this and this. It's more <laughs> just like, yeah, I like playing with that. It's, it's like all like toys. Do you not get the feeling that when you're making uh, movies, let's say when you're making turtle in the sink, for example, that that shows a more, or that shows more depth to you in comparison to maybe a TikTok video. I'm just making sure. it speculating. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But that okay. requires more, uh, um, like planning and effort and like, and that's what I liked about NYU and film school in general was you kind of like are forced into like making big projects. Um, so yes, what that stuff definitely does show more depth, but it requires more, um, the word self-discipline and like and the foresight to like or i guess like the 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 yeah the foresight to want to do it so would that then be a, like a different personality because i'm i'm so i can see a more profound sean through the filmmaking aspect right and maybe i can see the more fun uh let's say just the goofy sean through tiktok or through stand-up right would that then be two alter egos are you trying to merge them so that maybe in the future you can also do something more insightful on TikTok. Not that it's not, not to say that. No, it's, no worries. Yeah. But like maybe it will, it will start having the same type of theme where your TikTok and your filmmaking merge together. Or you think they're two separate things. You just do comedy videos on TikTok and you do. Some, um, a mix I guess I don't thing. really think about it. I'm kind of just in this place where I'm like, when I think of an idea that's like, makes me laugh and it's, I'm getting excited to do it. I'll just do it. Yeah. Um, I definitely have tried to be more like philosophical and like with ideas about with TikTok. Cause like, I'll, I, like even since like I remember in film school I'd write like scripts that would try and be profound or whatever and then sometimes that just ends up sounding like douchey or corny yeah. or something but um yeah um it'd be cool to merge them both but I think it's just like like I said it's just like playing with Legos like you just kind of like make it and see what happens I'm not like sitting in my room like oh how do I like be deep today you know how do I show my true core self or whatever Unless I'm sad about a girl, then I might do that. Because then I'll be like trying to like peacock or something. That's the impetus. That's the that's what yeah. you need. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's if I got a girlfriend tomorrow, I'd quit everything. 
and quit comedy. No, I wouldn't. Let's hope you stay single. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Because let's not manifest that. It's just like getting yeah. a job in a cubicle. Yeah, oh, well, it's, if that's what it takes, well, ladies, stay away from Sean. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> well, I think you're underselling it because when I watch your comedy or watch your videos, it's not just play because there's clearly a lot of thought that's gone into it. In fact, this reminds me of the videos you made with Mark Norman writing a joke segments. Sure. You had really dissected the science behind stand-up and writing a joke. And I found that really fascinating because 80% of the people, when they talk about a comedian, they say he was really funny, she was really funny, or they had a great joke, they had a great set, and that's where the conversation stops. But what you and Mark were doing that video was in a way dissecting why, why did the joke work the way it did, whether it was the pacing, the delivery of it, was it the style? Did you did the comedian use subversion so that they were leading the audience down a path and suddenly the punchline had more impact? Or whether they were using a fake story and trying to amplify that further for comedic effect? Right. That was very interesting. So that cropped up the question. If you're an aspiring stand-up comic, if you're a student of stand-up comedy, what do you think is a better approach? And we spoke about going to school versus using TikTok as well. Do you think for an aspiring stand-up comedian, it's better that they study comedy, they study how to write a joke and really those elements that we broke down, those tools that you broke down, work on incorporating that and then put those reps in at an open mic or it's better for them to just get out there in the world, travel the world, meet new people, have new experiences and that might give them the perspective and the depth to become a good comic. Um, I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um, I, you know, I think Mark even said like, you don't want to, people use that as an excuse not to write. They're like, oh, I'm just going to go live my life and I'll think yeah. of jokes. But I think it's like, I think like if I had to guess, and I mean, I guess it's different for everybody, but like, it's kind of like learn the rules. So like learn the craft, like, uh, like let's say if, if it was music, it's like you learn music theory and then like, you can kind of like start to make music and apply it. And you don't have to think about music theory, but like it's just built in your head now and you kind of like have a built in intuition for making it. Yeah. Um, I think it's so like I, I would imagine like if I had to get really good at stand up really fast and nothing else, I'd probably I would probably study like some of the science of it, like, you know, subverting expectation or context, uh, breaking context or like mm -hmm. stuff like that or exaggeration. And then like, then, then I would stop thinking about it and just start writing and let the, let it all just be like, you know, in the back of your mind. Um, and then, yeah, life, like, I think it's like the part of like going out and living, like that's like, you can mine the funny from like experiences or something might happen and you'd be like, wow, I couldn't have wrote that. Like, I think that's important too, but, um, it's probably a mixture of both a healthy balance. Mind the funny. I like that phrase. Yeah. Is there a name that comes to your mind for like a technically superior comedian who has studied it and you can see that in the set, the way they've crafted it? And is there a name that comes to your mind for the opposite? Someone who's naturally funny, who you know probably hasn't used those tools, but has so many funny stories and experiences that yes. that just makes them. Is there a name that comes for you? Mark Normand is like a genius with the craft okay. and understanding the science. Shane Gillis has like, uh, I mean, I, I'm not saying he doesn't know the craft or anything, but like, he seems more like intuitively, he just like knows how to be like, he is just funny effortlessly, which Mark is too. But like, he, like, you yeah. could tell he's a guy that studies comedy and Shane is just somebody where I'm like, wow, like he just like came out of the womb funny, I think. 
do you gravitate towards one style more than the other? Um, it's like the Messi Ronaldo debate if you watch soccer, where it's like Messi, they say, is more naturally gifted, and Ronaldo has clearly worked hard. You could see his right. evolution over the years. Yeah, I, um, I would even say like I feel like Beatles, the Beatles, like yeah. Paul, I think is like, um. I think he's somebody that worked hard at it and like kind of like was more scientific about it. And then John was like effortlessly would just like come out of him. So um, I do, I do, there is something a little more magical to me about the ones that like, it just comes out of them. But I I do, I enjoy both. Like I'm not putting one above the other, but like, I do like John Lennon a little more than Paul McCartney. I'll say that. So can that be defeating in the movie Amadeus? It deals with the story of Mozart being this gifted. Of course, it's a fictionalized version as well. Right. Not to not to imply that he didn't work hard, but it implies that he was this prodigy where God just shone through him and he didn't work as hard as the others. Is right. the story that the movies had. It's just the wiring in his brain, I think. Like some people just have wiring that like makes it, you know, they they just like I think me and my best friend Damien talk about this a lot, where it's like it's a mixture of like you need um, innate ability and then you need understanding of the craft and then it's taste. So it's like innate ability mixed with like some people might have, like you were just saying, like innate ability versus how much effort they put in. Yep. And then taste is like hearing like let's say a good song or, or hearing the joke and saying, oh, that's good uh, or that's bad. So I think it's like a combination of those three things. And what what was the question again? Well, that's it. You were talking about how you find it fascinating for people who just can just do it, who have a national ability. And I just thought in the movie Amadeus, I ended up hating Mozart because it just felt unfair that he could do all of that. Like he could party. Yeah, he could cheat on his wife. He could be a vulgar person, but he could create the best music in the world. It just felt unfair because... It, there should be like a balance in life, right? If you put in the hard work, yeah. you should be able to be. I know. It's part of what makes it like, I don't know. It makes them interesting. And yeah, it's unfair, I guess. But it's just like, that's what makes humans interesting is like the the differences in like our capabilities and stuff. But yeah, I, I do. I do think it's cool when when somebody is just like gifted like that, but it is, it's like, even it's kind of like when you compliment somebody's shirt and you're like, and they say, thank you. And it's like, Oh, well you didn't make the shirt. You just bought it. It's kind of <laughs> like, it's not much different. Like being like, Oh wow. Like you're really smart. It's like, thanks. It's like, yeah, but like you didn't make yourself smart. You just are like, I guess it's kind of like that too. Like, right. but yeah. you can still admire what, what they're, what's coming out of them. Got it. So that, yeah, that's a more compliment of the taste rather than their hard work. Or the their, taste, um, yeah. Their national ability. Now, while you spoke about taste, just this is a thought I had two minutes into Turtle in the Sink is that you can tell when you're watching a good movie or a good TV show within two minutes. It's just the way maybe the frames have been set up or the dialogue. Yeah. Maybe. You can tell whether there's a thinking mind behind this this production or not, right? And, right. And when I was watching Turtle in the Sink, I just knew like two minutes in, I just knew the way you had framed it. The way it starts at the bar scene where it's just uh, like it's a visual of you. I just knew like, that there is, there is taste in this. I mean, uh, shout out Eli Kravitz. He shot that. And so uh, a lot of the shots were his, his magic. But, uh, yeah. but thanks. That's yeah. really no, nice shout out to the team. I, I love that shot film and I keep, I mean, I hope you keep making more clips. We were talking about um, technically gifted versus naturally gifted comedians. You had two names that jumped out immediately. Sure. Is there a, let's say if we combine the two 
who do you think is the greatest comedian of all time and mm-hmm. why? That's a tough one. Tough questions only. And I'm not as I'm not as um uh cultured as I should be in comedy. Like I'm not like a, a comedy nerd. So like, you know, some of the people that I say might be like basic or easy answers, but like I grew up loving Louie and I do think that uh uh, personally, he's one of the best, especially not so much even in just how funny he is. But what I like is like he a lot of his bits. No comedian has stand up bits that stay with me like his in that right. like they make me look at life differently. And I think yeah. that is a really cool thing if you can ach- if you can achieve that with a joke. And I don't think people are like, oh, com- comedians are the modern day philosophers. And I agree that that is true sometimes. But I think that goes to comedians' heads sometimes, and then they start like having like, they start being like pompous about their opinions and stuff. But he definitely has had jokes that I think have made me look at life differently. So I would have to go with him. Louis C.K. gets the crown. Yes. You said comedians are the modern day philosophers. Do you think comedy needs to have a purpose? And let me throw some context. So George Carlin had once said that. Every comedian needs to find where they draw the line and then cross it deliberately. Do you think comedy always has to send a message? I mean, today you can clearly see a divide between comedians who only engage in political humor. A lot of the talk show hosts is just political comedy. Right. And then you have the other side of the table where there's comedians who only deal with gig uh, bits and gags and goofy stuff and some timeless comedy. Do you think comedy has to send a message, has to punch down a punch up right? or can comedy just exist? Yeah. I don't know. I hate when people say punch down, They're like don't punch down. I'm like, why are jokes? Why are you labeling it punching to begin with? Like, yep. that's not how I would look at it. But, um, yeah, I, I think like it comedy is like the main goal is just to make you laugh. And that's, that's really it. But, um, you know, some one tenant of comedy or one style is like pointing out hypocrisy or, or like, or even just like making observations and then it is humorous. And I think built into that is just like, it ends up being a commentary on society, you know? Yeah. So, you know, it it is philosophical in that way, but, or it might make you think differently. And I guess that becomes philosophical or whatever, but like would Socrates, if he was alive today, would he have been a comedian? No, I don't think so. Like, I don't think like, if you read any of like, the stuff Plato wrote that he said, like, was it funny? No. So like, I think it's just like the main goal of comedy is to make you laugh. That's it. And then all that other stuff is like, is just like ornaments or, or, or expectations people are putting on top of it. Like, Oh, it needs to punch up. Yeah. It's about speaking truth to power. I'm like, not always like, yeah, jesters. Sure. That's what their job was. But like in general, it's to make you laugh. If it can do all that other stuff, that's awesome. But I, I think putting all those labels or expectations on it is, is lame. Is lame. It's like saying, oh, music needs to, needs to make you uh, feel like you did as a child. It's like, what, what are you talking about? It's just supposed to release dopamine in your brain. Like, that's really it. Like, if it does that for you, that's awesome. And that makes it a little bit better. But I don't know. Why, why limit yourself or your ability to enjoy art based on if it's fulfilling your expectation of what it needs to be or whether it's like doing a political service for you. 
That makes sense. It does. I make could sense. be wrong though. I'm the type where if you said no, that this is why you're wrong, and it was a good point. I'd you be know like, what, Sean? You are wrong, and I wait for the comments. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> oh no, my. I agree. And consistently, you have taken the stance that the end justifies the means, and I get it. Because who are we to draw the lines and say like the path that you've taken towards? being funny yeah. is the right one or not. That's such a subjective line, but as long as you, you can clearly tell when someone's laughing or not. And if that's your goal. But I also do think like people are like, Oh, like, like, Oh, like uh, I think there's like a reverse to that. Like if you use comedy to be like, you know, like if you like, you're like, yeah, white supremacy is cool. Right. How everybody's laughing. And then you're like, no, but really, right. Like if you like keep, yeah, like you could use it to be, to like suede people on a dirt, like it does shape though how people think the same way Louis bit made me think look differently at life. Like I do understand people's uh, perception of like saying like, Oh, like, you know, it's like, cause people are like, Oh, it's just about being funny. Like I could see the reverse sometimes, but yeah. for the most part to me, it's just like, does it make you laugh? Yes or no. And then it's up. It's sometimes I would even say it's the responsibility less of the, comedian and more of the audience member to realize this is a joke and that I shouldn't take it serious. Does it make you laugh? So let's bring AI into the picture. It's been living rent-free in your mind. Yes. We spoke about comedy not needing to have a purpose, not even, we don't even care about the source and the journey it's taken as long as it makes people laugh. Right. Do you think if AI can tell jokes now and you know AI is not making that joke on the spot, it's reading through data, it's got a function that will only track whether people are laughing and it'll continue to iterate through it until it make people laugh. Right. Combine multiple things until it gets a laugh out of it. Do you, do you think an AI can be funny? Effectively, what we're doing is a, a open mic that the AI is doing in a virtual form 10,000 times in quick speed and it finds out the joke that works and it just starts saying that. Do you think an um, AI is naturally funny? I think that based on what I've seen and I mean, I'm also like an anxious person and I guess maybe I'm assuming the worst or whatever, but... I mean, I do think I, uh, if you asked me a year ago, I might've said no, but like, like I do feel like, and comedian, I've talked to like comedians I really respect who, and cause I'm like, Oh, I'm anxious about AI. And they're like, no, it could never be funny. It doesn't understand like human emotion and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think you're just like putting art on a pedestal. Like, like I have, like, I think there is like a science to it that could be explained. And if that is true, then then yes, AI can make art. Like, it's just going to be like, oh, like humans think, like, for example, I looked up uh, on ChatGPT. I was like, I wanted to try something. So I, I wrote like, oh, I love the movie Ratatouille because it's about a rat yeah. who wants to be a chef. And that like directly contradicts his, his goal directly contradicts who he is because rats are not allowed in the kitchen. It's a great premise. So yeah. I said, <laughs> Give me like 10 premises like that. And one of them was like a vampire that wants to be a daytime talk show host, <laughs> but he can't go. He can't go because it's, you know, he can't go in the sun. I was like, that's a great idea. And like, I mean, you know, it took me telling it to pair, like, like I gave it the prompt, but again, that was like, I was able to verbalize what made it funny. And then it was able to give me something that was funny. So like that just to me says, okay, comedy can be explained in words. And if that's the case, then why can't AI just use the, the parameters set for what makes comedy funny to make comedy, I guess. 
I think every joke that you think that in hindsight, we could look at any joke and say why it's funny. So if that's the case, if it's not some inexplicable thing, then there's no reason that AI can't eventually be funny, I think. And that's what scares me. Because I'm freaking. Yeah. Well, way to take us down this horror. Well, I guess that's the other thing. I I do (laughs) think like I'm like a pessimist about it because like it's like it's dipping into my bag, I guess. Like I've been like working at this my whole life and I'm like trying to like make a living off it. And now you're telling me, Oh, machines are going to do it. So like, I guess like if you can make a machine that can do all that, like, why wouldn't you, I guess like, who am I to say, don't do it. But I do feel like, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, apparently they asked him like, Oh, like AI is going to take every job. And he's like, that's great. Then we can just go sit on the beach. And I'm like, what what the hell? Like, that bums me out. Because I'm like, fuck you, Neil. Because, <laughs> because like, you're going to sit on the beach for an hour. And then what? You're going to be bored, dude. Like, then you're going to, like, all the life will be if, if robots do every job is, well, I guess we'll just play games. I don't know. Like, will we lose our purpose? That's what I think worries me. Not, like, our ability to make money, but, like, our ability to have purpose. Because I, I guess, like, I guess I don't know you what. You think our, we'll find... Do you think we'll realign our purpose? Because currently a lot of people's purpose maybe. is aligned with their work. But maybe, like you said, none of this really matters. So maybe once AI starts taking all the menial tasks and sending all the emails, working in Excel sheets, Outlook, that's taken care of. Then maybe we might realign our purpose and do what Neil deGrasse Tyson is implying. Just think about the universe, lie on the beach. Maybe, right? yeah. Like maybe yeah. we'll have to like become monks or like we'll reach enlightenment because yeah. every... <laughs> or we'll be like we'll be so addicted to whatever AI is making for us, which is like, I mean, it's not like we're going to sit, we're going to sit on the beach with our little AI, you know, headset and look at everything like in the end of Wally, when they're all in the chairs, like either that or, or we'll be like, well, I have nothing to do to contribute value to the world. So I'll just go inward. So maybe, 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 yeah, I don't know. I think about it too much. And my friends like get annoyed with me when I bring it up, even at work. They're like, dude, why are you so obsessed with AI? I'm like, cause it fucking, ah, I don't know. I agree with you. Watch out. It's going to take your job. Yeah. Um, but do you think it'll also take over filmmaking? Well, now there's text to video. I mean, there's, te- there's text to images that look real. I mean, everybody thought Trump was arrested because of that one AI image and there's a picture of the Pope and a bomber jacket that looks real. <laughs> and now there's, now you can do text to video <laughs> So, I mean, how long until you can make, you can make what looks like a real, you know, movie, but with AI, like, do I think it'll take, I do think there, maybe there's a world where like, it will help you be creative immediately. Like I could say, here's this movie idea I have, make it and then like tweak it and stuff like that'll be cool, I guess. But I do wonder if it's going to be like, make a movie in the style of Quentin Tarantino. And then it's like, all right, here's one. And it's like, wow, that's a really good, that's better than any Quentin movie I've seen. Like, is that a possibility in the future? Maybe. Do you think know. you assign, sorry, I'm just no, interrupting okay. you. Uh, do you think you assign recognition or praise to something because you know, a human is created and because you couldn't imagine a human was capable of thinking of something. That's what, like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Every time I watch it, I'm like, a human mind came up right, with that right. and planned everything. That's a genius. And that's what gives me like the respect for it. But let's say if AI plays chess, I have no respect. I, AI, yeah, you know? that's a good point. I do find comfort in that. Like the apparently like, cause yeah, I guess it was in the eighties. The, the first robot that could beat humans in chess yeah, was made. Yeah. yeah. And like, there's no, 
same with sports. Like there's limitations that are set to make it interesting. Like it's just humans that we want to watch. So I do find comfort in that. Um, I do wonder though, like, like, okay. So two things. One, I I was uh, funny enough. I watched her and I was like, (laughs) and I, one thing I like about chat GPT is like, I wanted to ask this question that, you know, Google has not answered. Like nobody asked it yet. So I asked chat GPT. It was like, how does like the guy in the movie have a job? Like his job is to write greeting cards or like, you know, love letters. I'm like, if AI exists, why is anybody paying a human to write things? And chat GPT said, um, well, it's probably because humans like human made things. It's like, it's like buying a handmade basket or something. Like even though machines can make things, we still buy handmade stuff. So that actually, it's funny how the AI made me more comfortable about it. But, um, <laughs> but that's some irony there. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, who's to say? Like, let's say we make a human category for movies in the future. You're not gonna, you're gonna still have to take people's word for it. If like you watch a movie that was really well written. That doesn't mean the guy didn't secretly use AI to write it, you know, like we're not going to we're going to move into a world where we do not know what is real, what was written by AI, what is a real photo, unless they ban it. I I feel like they might put limitations on it, like the government. Can you argue that you already like movies today already are a fusion of technology and human knowledge, right? Yeah. Like anytime you make a video, I'm sure you research a lot, you Google things and then what the AI is doing is just consolidating that into like a chat engine and telling you the details. But in fact, what do you do? Maybe you make a doc and you write your notes down. It's all from the research you do anyway. Right. Yeah, I know. I, I do think maybe I like, I overvalue or undervalue. Yeah. Like, like people are, people say, Oh, what about Photoshop and stuff yeah. like that? But I do wonder at what point a tool becomes a servant doing it all for us. They're like, Oh, it's just a tool. I'm like, yeah, but until it isn't, but I, I don't know. I, again, I, maybe I'm being too pessimistic or or fearful. No, I think you're exactly right. The okay. the future's near. It uh, is I would near. watch out for AI if I was used. Yeah, somebody tweeted the other day, yeah. like, oh, <laughs> when, and it was a guy that likes AI. And he was like, oh, once AI has eaten up everything digital, all that's left will be community and like in-person of things. That'll be the rarest thing but like he said it like he was excited and I'm like, <laughs> I'm like when a, like what about the sentence when AI eats up everything digital is exciting <laughs> to you like that? I don't know. It's just weird. Like the, the, the techie nerdy guys on Twitter that are like obsessed with it are like so excited and gung ho about it. But it like, I don't know. It makes me nervous. You started multiple beefs. So you started beef with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. You, yeah. you explicitly said, fuck you, Neil. Gonna put, yeah, that, right? gonna put that on a t-shirt and the nerdy techie guys on twitter and yeah your words exactly let's get that you won't believe neil won't the- like ai anymore when friggin robots are sitting <laughs> in on joe rogan instead of him is so robots will be explaining science i'm sure he'll be like wow he'll be like hey joe can i get a spot no go sit on the beach neil we're wow. gonna have uh chat gpt <laughs> come tell us about the the space station or whatever the hell he talks about trash talking on this no, episode. I, I, I like Neil. Yeah. I don't. I, you won't but, believe what this TikTok has said about Neil deGrasse right, dude. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Well, he's watching, and well, he won't be anymore. Uh, thank yeah. You. Right. Thank you, Sean. Um, <laughs> we were talking about AI taking over filmmaking as well, and we spoke about Tarantino. So I'm just curious to get your thoughts on this. Who do you think is the greatest filmmaker of all time? And why? Mm, that's a tough one. Another tough, tough one. Yeah, yeah you like right. the tough ones. I uh, told you. Warned you. Um, 
Hmm, greatest filmmaker of all time. I don't know that I have an answer for that. Or just one that you really gravitate to, that someone's work that really speaks to you, that you want to make work like theirs. Um, hmm. I put you on the spot. I like names that come to mind are like Wes Anderson. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Quentin's great. Yeah. Woody Allen has some good ones, more like philosophical stuff. Uh, Monty Python, like comedy filmmaking. But I'm also not as cultured in film as I should be. So like I'm like hitting you with all the basic answers, but those are just some of the ones that like come to mind. Honestly, if you say Tantino or Wes Anderson, I'll agree with you and I wouldn't call it basic at all. Okay. Um, sure. They're popular for a reason because yeah. they are that good. That's I think uh, there's a lot of importance people give to like the indie picks or like things yeah. that you haven't heard of, but man, Wes Anderson, any list that he tops, right. I agree with that list. What is your favorite filmmaking style or genre of movies? Um, I like good drama sometimes, like good, like, like comedy drama. What is the best comedy drama? Well, I like Amadeus. That's the one I've been referencing a lot. Like whenever people ask my favorite movie, I'll, I'll say that as of recently. But, uh, yeah, I would say that, but there's also like, I'll go home later and be like, ah, that know? was the one. Yeah. So it's like, you can email me later. I'll, okay. ed I'll edit, I'll AI generate oh, you cool. saying it. Sick, <laughs> sick. It. There we go. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, like it's, you know, it's like, it's like seasonal how you feel about movies or shows. That's like, true. Yeah. you know, I'll like a song today. I'll play it a thousand times and I'll hate it in two days. So like. You know, it's just like changes with the seasons. Yeah, that makes sense. Let's start moving into a final question. But before we do that, I would love it if you can interpret what masterpiece you've been building throughout sure. the episode. I made the, uh, you know, get this. Looks like a panopticon to me. Yeah, the panopticon with a little <laughs> uh, AI robot guard tower walking over. <laughs> um, and wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it, the hardest part was building the base. But once we got that down... We, 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 uh, we were, wheels were in motion from there. I will admit that this is probably the most elaborate structure anyone's ever built on any of these episodes, because this is, uh, not to distract you. Uh, and this is, people just build something really small, but it seems like you were, like you were finding energy through building this. Yeah, it was helping me. It's yeah. like, I'm a fidgety person. So it was it, helpful. I, I felt like it was helping you to like streamline your thoughts as well. And we were talking about getting boxed by fame, getting confined yeah. about the panopticon, right. about AI. And it feels like you've combined all of them into one masterpiece. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I did. Thank this you. This is Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart in Lego form. No, I love Look it. That. What'd you yeah. make? Well, <laughs> I did this and I gave up quickly because I thought I'd never be able to beat that. No, no, you, yeah. it wasn't a competition. Look, you, yeah. you've, you've, if anything, uh, aided me. So this is, uh, the outside guard tower, just in case anybody escapes. That's it. I'm Antonio Salieri. How do you say it? Yes. To your Mozart. Hell yeah. You can see it in Lego form. And you know what's <laughs> funny? I think that the modern day version of that movie is AI versus like AI's Mozart. And then I'm. I'm Salieri in, the, in my mind. I'm like, that's like, Look that's, that. that's what I think we're moving towards. Well, Look all humans in general will be Salieri. But. Look at the parallels. 
What is that? Damn, movie I hope that I hope that I've bummed out people watching about this stuff. It's just been on my mind and I keep bringing it up. And then my friends are like, stop talking about AI. I'm like, I'm sorry. No, it's the most interesting thing. Maybe they look back at this episode and be like, you know what? Sean was always, he was a harbinger of truth. And yeah. Like, no, or they'll be like, wow, yeah. he was wrong. Yeah. Like, look, we said our boy who cried wolf and then look at that. Yeah. He was the one. We should have listened to him at that point. So yeah, this is revolutionary. What yeah. you're doing at this stage. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. We've got the masterpiece ready. Final questions for you. What are some books, movies, or role models that have strongly influenced you in your life? Um, Life of Pi, weirdly, like was like my favorite movie in high school. Why and weirdly? Like, um, just because it's like, it feels like an, when I ever say I like that movie a lot, people are like, when I, when I used to say it was my favorite movie, they'd be like, well, that's random. Cause like I did comedy and stuff, but <laughs> it's just something about the music and the visuals like would just like would touch my soul some for like somehow. And so that would always inspire me. Um, the Beatles I'm obsessed with. Mm -hmm. I just like can't get enough of their music. Um, books. Mm, I read Picture of Dorian Gray. Yeah, like probably a year or two ago, and I, I really like that one. But oh, Shakespeare! I read a lot of Shakespeare. That's probably the biggest thing. Uh, like in college, I read like 18 of the plays, and I there's like tons of quotes I think about all the time. It's like. It's just great. That's so. a great list. Yeah. What is the most important thing you have learned from observing Gary Vee? Um, mm, a lot of things, but I like what he said recently about not letting your ego get wrapped up in what you do. It's just like to him, it's just play or something like that. He's just playing. And I think that is a good way to go about life. Don't like let your ego and and be wrapped up in what you're doing. Just like have fun. And it's life. Life is a video game and just, uh, just enjoy it while you, while you got it, I guess. That's good advice from Gary V in your writing a joke segment with Mark Norman. He put forward the interesting thought experiment that it'd be fun to think about what will be written on your obituary on your tombstone. So let me turn the question on you. What will be written on your tombstone? Um, Hopefully Sean was supposed to be here, but he's immortal now. So <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I don't know. Maybe because of AI. Yeah. Uploaded right. your consciousness. Yeah, okay. maybe. Yeah. No, or um, what'll be written. Um, the year will be an exponent because it, like, it, like it'll be like something like, like, so I'm like, I, I die in thousands of years sure. and it'll say like, uh, um, I don't know. He tried. Very interesting. Do you know Charles Bukowski, the poet? No. His tombstone says, don't try. Don't try? Don't try. And the idea behind that was that you never, like, if you keep trying, keep obsessing about trying, like you never reach something. That's that you, cool. Yeah, yeah. All right. Mine says he tried. He his, tried. It says don't try. What is his name? Charles Bukowski. He's okay. a poet, writer. Yeah. Right. Very interesting that you landed on that. Last two questions. What would you like your legacy to be like? Ah, uh, what do I want my legacy to be like? Um, he was a smart guy. He was a funny guy, huh? Yeah, he was. All right. That's it. And that's a great legacy to have, honestly. I guess. Yeah. Or, or if anything, I guess it should be more like he was a good person. I don't know. I don't think about that. That's a hard question. It feels like any answer I give feels like not honest. 
Because I don't know the answer. That's why. These are hard questions. But I can speak for you and say that even if you make one person smile, I think you are leaving a legacy behind. It's like uh, Schindler's List. If you watch that movie, where mm-hmm. they say, he who saves one life saves the world entire. Right. He who makes one person smile makes the world smile. So Cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm up just, there I'm, with Schindler then. Yeah, you're up there with Schindler. Final question. What do you think is the meaning of life? Sean Millie. What do I think is the meaning of life? Hmm. That's a tough one. I keep saying that, but it's because you keep giving me tough ones. I, uh, I warned you. Um, you know, I don't know, but uh, I've been thinking about the song All You Need Is Love a lot. He says, uh, there's nothing you can do that can't be done. There's nothing you can do that can't be sung, sing, can't be sung, all that stuff. Uh, all you need is love. Perhaps to love, maybe. But more so, I think... It's like asking what is the meaning of Grand Theft Auto. It's like you're just there to play it. So I think maybe that. Just there to play and love. Love is always the answer and you know that for sure. It's what John Lennon said once and I agree with him. That's a great meaning to have. Sean, thank you so much. If people want to connect with you, find out what you're up to, watch your videos, where can they do so? Cool. Uh, Sean Malay, S-E-A-N-M-I-L-L-E-A. And uh, yeah, and hopefully... Hopefully the show thing pans out. I can't really say anything about it, but hopefully that pans out. But for right now, it's just my name on social media. On social media and watch out the beef that he's going to have with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm sorry, Neil. I, yeah, <laughs> no, I like you. I, it's, I, the it's, fuck you was more, it's more an inward thing. This is damage control. I don't think yeah. it's going to Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Sean, thank you so much of for your conversation. Thank you for having me. It was awesome.